Chapter Nine of Asphodel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Asphodel by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Chapter Nine. Of color pale and dead was she. And so you are, Daphne said mr goring taking both her hands and looking at her with an amused smile not without tender admiration of the fair pale face and widely opened blue eyes months afterwards he remembered the scared look in those lovely eyes the death-like pallor of the complexion but just now he ascribed daphne's evident agitation to a schoolgirl's natural discomfiture at being found out in a risky escapade and so you are daphne he repeated why you told me your father was a grocer in oxford street was not that what schoolboys call a crumper no said daphne recovering herself and a sparkle of mischief lighting up her eyes it was strictly true of martha dibb's father and you adopted your friend's parent for the nonce a thoroughly roman custom that of adoption and in harmony with your roman name by the way were you christened popea daphne or daphne popea he had been amusing himself with the squirrel for the last half hour but he found daphne's embarrassment ever so much more amusing than the squirrel he felt no more seriously about the one than about the other don't exclaimed daphne you must have known quite well from the first moment that my name wasn't popea just as well as i knew that yours wasn't nero well i had a shrewd suspicion that you were romancing about the name but i swallowed the grocer that was too bad of you do you know that you made me quite unhappy i was miserable at the idea that such a girl as you could be allied with grocery a ridiculous prejudice was it not in a man whose father began life as a day-labourer daphne had sunk into a low chair by the squirrel's cage and was feeding that pampered favourite with the green points of some choice conifer she seemed more taken up by his movements than by her future brother-in-law her agitation had passed yet she was pale still only the faintest bloom in her fair cheek the pink of a wild rose please don't tell lena she pleaded with her eyes on the squirrel oh she doesn't know anything about it then not a word i dared not tell her when i tried to do so i became suddenly aware how horridly i had behaved martha dibb and i were silly thoughtless creatures acting on the impulse of the moment i don't think there was much impulse about miss dibb said mr goring it seemed to me that she only looked on it is disgustingly mean of you to say that exclaimed daphne recurring to her school-girl phraseology which she had somewhat modified at south hill forgive me and i must really hold my tongue about our delicious picnics of course i shall obey you little one but i hate secrets and am a bad hand at keeping them i shall never forget those two happy days at fontainebleau 
how strange that you and i who were destined to become brother and sister should make each other's acquaintance in that haphazard informal fashion it seemed almost as if we were fated to meet didn't it was that the fate you read in my hand no he answered suddenly grave that was not what i read pshaw he added in a lighter tone chiromancy is all nonsense why should a man not too much given to belief in the things that are good for him to believe pin his faith on a fanciful science of that kind i have left off looking at palms ever since that day at fontainebleau and now tell me about your sister i am longing to see her to think that i should have stumbled on just the one particular afternoon on which she was to be so long away i pictured her sitting by yonder bamboo table like penelope waiting for her odysseus do you know that i have come straight through from bergen without stopping and you have not been home to your abbey my abbey will keep by the by how is the place looking the gardens all in their beauty i suppose i have never seen it never why i thought lena would be driving over once or twice a week to survey her future domain i take it positively unkind that you have never seen my abbey my cloisters where never monk walked my refectory where never monk ate my chapel where no priest ever said mass i should have thought curiosity would have impelled you to go and look at goring abbey it is such a charming anomaly but it pleased my poor father to build it so i must not complain i thought you ought to be very proud of it when you consider how hard your father must have worked for the money it cost said daphne bluntly yes john giles had to put a long career of honest labour behind him before he became giles goring and owner of goring abbey he was a good old man i feel sorry sometimes that i am not more like him lena says you are like your mother yes i believe i resemble her side of the house it was by no means the more meritorious side for the heronvilles were always loose fish while my father was one of the best men who ever wore shoe-leather do you think lena will be pleasantly surprised by my return do i think it echoed daphne why she has been longing for your coming counting every hour i know that though she has not said as much i can read her thoughts clever little puss daphne do you know i am quite delighted to find that my grocer's daughter of fontainebleau forest is to be my new sister you are very good returned daphne rather stiffly it is eight o'clock so i think if you'll excuse me i'd better go and dress for dinner wait till your people come home i've ever so many questions to ask there is the carriage you can ask them of lena herself she ran out of the room by the glass door leading into the conservatory leaving mr goring to meet his betrothed at the opposite door she ran through the conservatory to the garden the sun was sinking in a sea of many-coloured clouds yonder on the edge of the hills and the river at the bottom of the valley ran between the rushes like liquid gold daphne stood on the sloping lawn staring at the light like a bewildered creature she stood thus for some minutes motionless with clasped hands gazing at the sunset then she turned and walked slowly back to the house 
there was no one to watch her no one to think of her at this moment gerald and lena were together in the drawing-room steeped in the rapture of reunion let me be rational let me be reasonable if i can daphne said to herself she re-entered the house by an obscure door at the east end and went up to her own room there in the soft evening light she cast herself upon her knees by the bed and prayed prayed with all the fervour of her untried soul prayed that she might be kept from temptation and led to do the thing that was right prayer so earnest in a nature so light and reckless was a new experience she rose from her knees like a new creature and fancied she had plucked the evil weed of a fatal fancy out of her heart she moved about her room calmly and quietly dressed herself carefully and went back to the drawing-room two minutes before the half-hour radiant and smiling madeline was still in the gown she had worn at the dejeuner she had taken off her hat and that was all too happy in her lover's company to spare five minutes for the revision of her toilet gerald had done nothing to improve his travelling attire even the dust of the long railroad journey from hull was still upon his clothes gerald tells me that you and he have made friends already daphne said lena in a happy voice she was standing by her lover's side in front of the open window while sir vernon sat in an easy-chair devouring his times and trying to make up for the lost hours since the post came in yes daphne and i have sworn eternal friendship exclaimed gerald gaily we mean to be a most devoted brother and sister it was quite wonderful how quickly we broke the ice and how thoroughly at home we became in a quarter of an hour daphne is not a very terrible personage said madeline smiling at her sister's bright young face well darling had you a happy day all by yourself i was almost glad you were not with us the coming of age was a very tiresome business i had ten times rather have been in our own gardens with you the whole entertainment was ineffably dull said sir vernon without looking from his paper and now the well-bred butler glided across the threshold and gently insinuated that dinner was served if it might be the pleasure of his people to come and eat it whereupon mr goring gave his arm to madeline and sir vernon for the first time since his younger daughter's return felt himself constrained to escort her to the dining-room or leave her to follow in his wake like a lap-dog he deliberated for a moment or two as to which he should do then made a hook of his elbow and looked down at her dubiously as much as to say that she might take it or leave it daphne would have much liked to refuse the proffered boon but she was in a dutiful mood to-night so she meekly slipped her little gloved hand under her parent's sleeve and walked by his side to the dining-room where he let her hand drop directly they were inside the door every one at south hill hated a glare so the dining-room like the drawing-room was lighted by moderator lamps under velvet shades two large brazen lamps with deep fringed purple shades hung a little way above the table two more lighted the sideboard the french windows stood wide open and across a balcony full of flowers appeared the shadowy landscape and the cool evening sky sir vernon was tired and out of spirits 
he had very little to say about anything except the proceedings of the afternoon and all his remarks upon the hospitalities at which he had assisted were of an abusive character he could eat no dinner his internal economy having been thrown altogether out of gear by the barbarity of a solid meal at three o'clock his discontent would have effectually damped the spirits of any human beings except lovers those privileged beings inhabit a world of their own so madeline and gerald smiled at each other and talked to each other across the roses and lilies that beautified the dinner-table and seemed unconscious that anything unpleasant was going on daphne watched them thoughtfully how lovely her sister looked in the new light of this perfect happiness how unaffectedly she revealed her delight at her lover's return how good it was of you to come back a month sooner than you had promised gerald she said my dear girl i have been pining to come home for the last six months but as you and your father and i had chalked out a certain portion of europe which i was to travel over i thought i ought to go through with it but if you knew how heartily sick i am of going from pillar to post of craning my neck to look at the roofs of churches and dancing attendance upon grubby old sacristans and riding up narrow pathways on mules and having myself and my luggage registered through from the bustling commercial city i am sick of to loathing after twenty-four hours experience to the sleepy mediaeval town which i inevitably tire of in ten you would be able to understand my delight in coming back to you and placid warwickshire by the by why didn't you take daphne to see the abbey she tells me she has never been over to goring i should have had no pleasure in showing her your house our house interjected gerald while you were away well dearest it was a loving fancy so i won't scold you for it we'll have a he paused for an instant looking at daphne with a mischievous smile we'll have a picnic there to-morrow why a picnic grumbled sir vernon i can understand people eating out of doors when they have no house to shelter them but nobody but an idiot would squat on the grass to dine if he could get at chairs and tables look at your gypsies and hawkers now you seldom catch them picnicking if their tent or their caravan is ever so small and stuffy they generally feed inside it never mind the hawkers exclaimed gerald contemptuously a fig for common sense of course everybody in his senses knows that such a dinner as this is much more comfortable than the most perfect picnic that ever was organized but for all that i adore picnics and we'll have one to-morrow won't we daphne he looked across the table at her in the subdued lamplight smiling and expecting to see a responsive smile in her eyes but she was preternaturally grave just as you like she said just as i like what a chilling repulse why unless madeline and you approve of the idea i don't care a straw for it i'll punish you for your indifference miss daphne you shall have a formal luncheon in the refectory at a table large enough for thirty and groaning under my father's family plate gerards of the reign of victoria strictly ponderous and utilitarian what a lovely light there is in the western sky said gerald as madeline and her sister rose from the table shall we all walk down to the river before we join sir vernon in the billiard-room you'd like to try your hand against me sir i suppose now that i come fresh from benighted lands where the tables have no pockets 
yes i'll play a game with you presently gerald and the two girls went into the veranda and thence by a flight of shallow steps to the lawn it was a peerless night after a peerless day a young moon was shining above the topmost branches of the deodaras and touching the avon with patches of silvery light the scene was lovely the atmosphere delicious but daphne felt that she was one too many though madeline had linked an arm through hers those two had so much to talk about so many questions to ask each other and you have really come home for good said madeline for good dearest for the brightest fate that can befall a man to marry the woman he loves and settle down to a peaceful placid life in the home of his ancestor i have been a rover quite long enough and i shall rove no more except at your command there are places i should love to visit with you gerald switzerland italy the tyrol we will go wherever you please dearest it will be delightful to me to show you all that is fairest on this earth and to hear you say when we are hunting vainly for some undiscovered nook where we may escape from the tourist herd after all there is no place like home i shall only be too much inclined to say that i love our own country and the scenery i have known all my life we must start early to-morrow lena we have a great deal of business to get through at the abbey business yes dear i want you to give me your ideas about the building of new hot-houses with your passion for flowers the present amount of glass will never be enough what do you say to sending mccloskey over to meet us there his opinion as a practical man might be of use if mr mccloskey is going to picnic with you i'll stay at home said daphne i admire the gentleman as a gardener but i detest him as a human being don't be frightened daphne said gerald laughing it is a levelling age but we have not yet come to picnicking with our gardeners mr mccloskey is such a very superior person retorted daphne i don't know what he might expect they had strolled down to the meadow by the river a long stretch of level pasture richly timbered divided from the gardens by a ha-ha over which there was a light iron bridge they lingered for a little while by this bridge looking across at the river do you know that daphne has started a boat said madeline and has become very expert with a pair of sculls she rowed me down to stratford the day before yesterday and back against the stream indeed i congratulate you on a delightful accomplishment daphne i don't see why girls should not have their pleasure out of the river as well as boys i've a brilliant idea the abbey is only five miles up the stream suppose we charter daphne's boat for to-morrow i can pull a pretty good stroke and the distance will be easy between us two will your boat hold three of us comfortably do you think daphne it would hold six then consider your services retained for to-morrow i shall enjoy the miniature prettiness of the avon after the mightier streams i have been upon lately i don't suppose lena would like it faltered daphne not appearing elated at the idea lena would like it immensely said her sister i shall feel so safe if you are with us gerald what a strange girl you are daphne a week ago you were eager to carry me to the end of the world in your boat you can have the boat of course if you like and i'll pull if you want me returned daphne somewhat ungraciously but i think you'll find five miles of the avon rather a monotonous business it is a very lovely river if you take it in sections but as both banks present a succession of green fields and pollard willows 
it is just possible for the human mind to tire of it daphne you are an absolute cynic and at seventeen exclaimed gerald with pretended horror what will you be by the time you are forty if i am alive i dare say i shall be a very horrid old woman said daphne perhaps something after the pattern of aunt rhoda i can't conceive anything much worse than that papa will be waiting for his game of billiards said lena we had better hurry back to the house they were met on the threshold of the conservatory by mrs ferrers that lady had a wonderful knack of getting acquainted with everything that happened at south hill if there had been a semaphore on the roof she could hardly have known things sooner my dear gerald what a delightful surprise you've given us she exclaimed i put on my hat the instant the rector had said grace i left him to drink his claret alone a thing that has not happened since we were married and walked over to bid you welcome how well you are looking how very brown you have grown i am so glad to see you it was very good of you to come over on purpose mrs ferrers may i not be aunt rhoda instead of mrs ferrers i should like it ever so much better next year i shall be really your aunt you know and the rector will be your uncle said daphne pertly he is mine already and he is ever so much kinder than when i was only his parishioner mrs ferrers shot a piercing look half angry half interrogative at her younger niece the rector had shown a reprehensible tendency to praise the girl's beauty had on one occasion gone so far as to offer her a patriarchal kiss from which daphne had recoiled involuntarily saying afterwards to her sister that one must draw the line somewhere vernon has gone to bed said aunt rhoda he felt thoroughly wearied out after the gathering at holmesley which seems from his account to have been a very dull business i am glad the rector and i declined a cold luncheon is positive death to him then we needn't go indoors yet awhile said gerald it is lovely out here shall i fetch a wrap for you lena mrs ferrers was carefully draped in her china crape shawl one of madeline's wedding gifts to her aunt and costly enough for a royal present thanks there is a shawl on a sofa in the drawing-room let daphne fetch it interjected mrs ferrers and her niece flew to obey while the other three sauntered slowly along the broad terrace in front of the windows there were some light iron chairs and a table at one end of the walk and here they seated themselves to enjoy the summer night as our english summer is a matter of about five weeks broken by a good deal of storm and rain we ought to make the most of it remarked gerald i hope we shall have a fine day for the abbey to-morrow you are going to take lena to the abbey yes for a regular business-like inspection that we may see what will have to be improved or altered or added or done away with before next year how interesting i should like so much to drive over with you my experience in housekeeping matters might possibly be of use invaluable no doubt answered gerald with his easy-going half listless air but we must postpone that advantage until the next time we are going in daphne's boat which will only comfortably hold three said gerald with a calm contempt for actual truth which horrified madeline who was rigidly truthful even in the most trivial things going in daphne's boat what an absurd idea don't say that aunt rhoda for it's my idea remonstrated gerald but i can't help saying it when you have half a dozen carriages at your disposal and when the drive to going is absolutely lovely to go in a horrid little boat it's a very nice boat aunt rhoda and daphne manages it capitally said lena 
i think it will be a delightfully dreamy way of going said gerald we shall take our time about it there is no reason we should hurry i shall order a carriage to meet us at the bottom of goring lane where we shall land if we prefer to drive home we can do so my dear gerald you and madeline are the best judges of what is agreeable to yourselves but i cannot help thinking that you are encouraging daphne in a most unbecoming pursuit the appearance of daphne herself with the shawl put a stop to the argument she folded the soft woollen wrap round her sister and then stooped to kiss her good-night lena she said going to bed so early daphne i hope you are not ill only a little tired after my rambles good-night aunt rhoda good-night mr goring and daphne ran away aunt rhoda might drive over and meet us at goring gerald suggested madeline who was always thoughtful of other people's pleasure and did not wish her aunt to fancy herself ignored certainly i shall be charmed if you think it worth your while said gerald then i shall certainly come my ponies want exercise and to-morrow is one of the rector's parochial days so he won't miss me for an hour or two what time do you contemplate arriving at the abbey oh i suppose between one and two the orthodox luncheon hour answered gerald daphne was up and dressed before five o'clock next morning she had set her little american alarm clock for five but that had been a needless precaution since she had not slept above a quarter of an hour at a time all through the short summer night she had seen the last glimmer of the fading moon the first faint glow of sunlight flickering on her wall she stole softly downstairs unlocked doors and drew bolts with the silent dexterity of a professional housebreaker feeling almost as guilty as if she had been one and in the cool quiet morning while all the world beside herself seemed asleep she ran lightly across the dewy lawn down to the iron bridge by which she had stood with madeline and gerald last night then she crossed the meadow wading ankle-deep in wet grass and scaring the placid kine and thus to the boat-house she went in and got into her boat which was drawn up under cover and carefully protected by linen clothing she whisked the covering off and seated herself on the floor of the boat in front of the place of honour above which appeared the name of the craft in gilded letters on the polished pine nero she took out her penknife and began carefully laboriously to scrape away the gilt lettering the thing had been so conscientiously done the letters were so sunk and branded into the wood that the task seemed endless she was still digging and scraping at the first letter when arden church clock struck six every stroke floating clear and sweet across the river what an utter idiot i was she said to herself in an exasperated tone emphasizing each word with a savage dig of her knife into the gilded wood and how shall i ever get all these letters out before breakfast time why attempt it asked a low pleasant voice close at hand and daphne becoming suddenly aware of the odour of tobacco mixed with the perfumes of a summer meadow looked up and saw gerald goring lounging against the door-post smoking a cigarette why erase the name he asked it is a very good name classical historical and not altogether inappropriate nero was a bold builder himself you know was he said daphne sitting limply in the bottom of her boat completely unnerved yes the vessel he built was a failure or at any rate the result of his experiment was unsatisfactory but the intention was original and deserves praise i am sorry you have spoilt the first letter of his name don't distress yourself exclaimed daphne jumping up and stepping briskly out of her boat 
i am going to change the name of my boat and i thought i could do it this morning as a surprise for lena but it was a more difficult business than i supposed and now i must run home as fast as i can and make myself tidy for breakfast my father is the essence of punctuality but as half-past eight is his breakfast hour you need not be in a desperate hurry it has only just struck six will you come for a stroll no thank you i have ever so much to do before breakfast cherney's studies of philosophy no french grammar no be sure you are ready to start directly after breakfast daphne scampered off through the wet grass leaving mr goring standing by the boat-house door looking down with an amused smile at the mutilated name End of chapter nine